Well, good morning, Thrive Church. We've had a busy morning already. I want to get right into the service this morning. My name is Pastor Sheldon Miles. I'm the lead pastor of this church, and I'm just kind of looking around the room. We've got a great audience that's here this morning. I'm going to welcome all those who are watching online. If you're watching online, I just want to encourage you to come check us out in person. I promise you this service is better in person, and we would love to get a chance to meet with you. And uh, just a reminder that uh, there is growth track. I know that it was announced. If you did not get signed up, that's okay. You can go to the, uh, the Connect Center out in the lobby and, uh, and get started today. That will happen right at the end of the service. And uh, I just want to give a shout out to Sandy, Sandy Olson, who spoke last week. How many of you, you, you were, uh, heard her service? Didn't she do an awesome job last week? I'm telling you, we have a great team here at Thrive Church. I feel really blessed. Last week, Sandy talked about, in the, in the X Factor series, she talked about the fruit of the Spirit, and it's just kind of that, that, that it's supposed, the Spirit's supposed to come out in our lives. And talking about the fruit of the Spirit, I heard about a coach who called one of his uh, nine-year-old baseball players aside, and he said to him, do you understand what cooperation is? You ever been in one of those places before? What a team is? And the little boy Affirmed, yes, coach, I know what that means. He says, do you understand that what matters is whether we win or lose together as a team? And the boy nodded yes. And so the coach continued. He says, he said, I'm sure you know that when an out is called, you, don't, you shouldn't argue, you shouldn't curse, you should not attack the umpire or call him an idiot or call him blind, right? You shouldn't do that. Do you understand all that, young man? And the young man looked at the coach and said, yes, I understand. He continued, he says, and when I take you out of the game so that another boy gets a chance to play, it's not good sportsmanship to call your coach stupid or an idiot, right? Am, am I right on that? And the young, young man looked at his coach and said, yes, I understand. He says, good, good, good. Now, will you please go over to, to your grandmother and please explain that to her? So, so all right. Rough crowd. All right, I'm going to get right into it this morning. Uh, we need to pray for our country. And the Assemblies of God, which is a part of our fellowship, is asking us to pray for our country. And here is kind of a, a, a prayer uh, a prayer card or form to use throughout the month. I encourage you to engage. I'm going to be doing this. Uh, it's time for, we, we, as Garrett said, we believe prayer changes things. And I am, I'm going to ask you to engage in prayer. I'm going to uh, ask you right now to just pull out your sermon notes. You're going to need your sermon notes. This is one of those teaching, preaching. You're going to get a teaching, preaching today on a very, uh, I think, a very important subject. So we've been on this sermon series called The X Factor. And The X Factor is one of those, you know, you could have like three different things, but you add that one, that one element and it changes everything. Well, that's, that's what the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit, you can have church, you can have worship, you can have prayer, you can have all these things, but if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're missing something. The Holy Spirit is the X factor. And I think that there's a lot of people who are walking around in their faith journey and they're just feeling spiritually dry and powerless. Have you ever felt that before? Yeah, let's face it, sometimes we go through those dry seasons and we just wonder, is there really anything that is going on inside of me? But I think that when you understand the Holy Spirit, you understand who he is, and you understand the role that he plays in your life, then you're able to live out the X-factor power 
in your life. So in this sermon series, what we've been talking about here, if you're, if you're just catching up today, when week number one, we talked about the Holy Spirit and what he does in us, that he's a counselor, uh, he, he's, he does so much that he wants to do in us. And then week number two, we talked about the gifts of the Spirit. And then last week, Sandy talked about the fruit of the Spirit. That's, just the, that's what comes out of us as a result of the Spirit working in us. Today, I want to talk about Holy Spirit baptism. You see, the Holy Spirit not only wants to do a work in us, he wants to overflow. Just kind of every, can everybody just kind of do that? He wants to overflow in your life. He doesn't want to just fill you up with a sippy cup. He wants to overflow your sippy cup. He wants to overflow in your life. So we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit and what he did in the early church. We need to get some background here and understanding how, what does all this mean? Because I believe there's a lot of confusion that's in the world today on this subject. So we're going to understand the Holy Spirit work in the early church. This is, understand when I talk about the early church, this is the first church. So you come to Thrive Church, and you may have been to other churches before you've come to Thrive Church, but we're talking about the first church that was started. So when we talk about the early church, that's what we're talking about. And the first thing that we need to see is in John 14, 16 through 20, Jesus foretells the Holy Spirit. He's talking to his disciples, and he's telling them, hey, this Holy Spirit thing, I, I need to talk to you guys about that. So at this point in time, Jesus had had like three years of ministry, and he had been walking and talking and doing miracles. He had been working with these disciples. But he knows that his time here on earth is going to come to an end. And what he's trying to do, he's trying to prepare his disciples for what is next, for what is next. And so he says here, he says, and I, he's talking to his disciples, he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor. Because at that time, Jesus had been their main counselor to be with you forever. And this, he will be the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you, and he will be in you. Okay, so you can just imagine right now, this is the first time they're hearing about this Holy Spirit thing. And these disciples, you know, if you, you, you read through the Gospels, they're just kind of like, what, what? Just not, not quite grasping it. And especially when Jesus says, it's going to be better for you when I go away. That's a head scratcher, because they're like, where are you going again? And it's going to be better if you go away? How, do, how does that work? So he says, in my place, you're going to receive a spiritual counselor, the spirit of truth. And he's going to take my place. So when the Holy Spirit comes, he says, you're going to know him. Do you know that you can know the Holy Spirit? And I'm, just not, I'm not talking about knowing about the Holy Spirit, but you can know the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, he will live within you. The word is indwell. He, he will live with inside of you. So if you ever come to one of those, let's just stop here and pause. If you ever come to one of those faith moments and it just doesn't make sense. And you try to figure out, I remember in college, 
a Bible college studying in my, especially my freshman year, and you got all these really smart intellectual students, and, and, and we would be taught things like this that we never really heard before, and we would have to be challenged to think through some things. And there was a lot of people who stepped away from their faith because they couldn't figure it out with their brain. And I just, wanted, I just want you to be careful. There's some things we're not always going to know nor understand. And I'm sure that the disciples like, ah, ah, what? You're going to what? And it's going to be better. What? 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 Sometimes we just don't understand, but we have to just keep trusting. Just keep trusting. Number two, Jesus breathes the Holy Spirit onto his disciples. So we're moving forward. Jesus then begins to move forward and and his journey to the cross. And we know that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, but he didn't stay dead. He didn't stay in a tomb. He rose again three days later. And for a period of 40 days, check this out, 40 days, these disciples and people who knew Jesus, who had experienced Jesus, they, let's just put it this way, they saw a dead man walking. How many of you, that would catch your attention if you visited somebody's funeral and three days later you saw a dead man walking? How many of you, that would capture your attention? And then you saw him for 40 days just walking around. And so at this point, the disciples had been just merely spectators, pretty much. Just walking around with Jesus and Jesus would do a miracle. I'm like, man, that's amazing. And then he would do another thing. Like, how does he do that? It's just crazy. And it's just increasing their faith, increasing their faith. Now Jesus says to them, John 20, 21 to 22, Jesus said, he, he shows up to his disciples, says, peace be with you. Again, I would be a little startled if I saw a dead man walking and he shows up in the room. Like, how does he do that? Peace be with you. He was just calm down, guys. As the Father has sent me, I'm now sending you. I've been here on this earth for three years. I've been on this mission. And and now I'm sending you to continue this mission. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So again, just as Jesus had been on this mission for years, and now what he's doing is he's passing the baton. He says, now I want you to finish the race. And oh, by the way, that baton has continues to be passed and continues to be passed. If you are a Christ follower today, raise your hand. I want you with your other hand, I want you to hold, I want you to hold your hand just like that. You know what you're holding there? You're holding the baton. The baton of Jesus' mission, just put your hand out, has been handed off to you. Put your hand out, receive it. It's just been handed off to you, and now you continue on with the mission. Did you know that? Whatever Jesus was doing on this earth, he has passed the baton on to you to continue this work. And then it says, then he breathed on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Do you know what this moment is right here? We talk about this word a lot. We talk about life change. We talk about salvation of people being saved. At at this moment, Jesus breathed on them the Holy Spirit. They were saved. We have the first salvations. Now, this is how I like to picture it here. Got this picture here. I I like to picture, have you ever seen a pilot light in a fireplace or in a furnace? Just this small little light glowing. I believe that's what it looks like. In a spiritual sense, what God does, he just put a little pilot light inside of you. All right? But there's power in his pilot light. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. In other words, 
When you accepted Jesus Christ in your heart to be your Lord and Savior, how many of you remember that moment? You remember when that happened? God placed the Holy Spirit, he placed that pilot light inside of you. The Holy Spirit lives within you. He lives within you. Then we see that Jesus instructs his disciples to go, and he goes, I want you to go and wait for the gift. So let's just catch up here. The disciples had already been filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember the pilot light. They have already been filled. Now Jesus is telling them, I want you to go, and I'm going to give you a gift. This is going to be something different. I place the Holy Spirit in you, but there's something else that's going to happen inside of you. It's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to talk about that here in just a moment. Baptism with the Holy Spirit. What it is, it's a distinct spiritual experience in which a Christ follower, any Christ follower can experience. It means to be immersed, immersed in the Holy Spirit. Let me explain here. When you look through the Old Testament or the New Testament, you'll see three different forms of baptisms, okay? See if you have participated in these baptisms. The first baptism, again, I explained to you, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are baptized in Christ. You're baptized in Christ. So we have this cup of water here. We have, we have this cup of water in it, and so what, what you're doing is he's filled you with his spirit. He's baptized you with Jesus, okay? And then the second baptism is water baptism. Now, how many of you have been water baptized before? You've been water? If you've not been baptized, we have a baptism service coming up in August. You check out your calendar. We had a young lady who could not wait to be baptized the other week, and we, we, she said, let's do this. We took her down to the river, and we dunked that donut, and man, it was great. It was, it was a great service. But, it, but what it meant to her, we, I, I stopped, I said, no, 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 tell us what this means to you. Why are, you, why are you doing this today? Why is this so important that, that number one, she's going to be on a missions trip during that baptism service, but she was just, I just want the whole world to know I'm a Christ follower. I love Jesus. I want people to see what Jesus has done in me and what he's done through me, that I was once lost, but I accepted Jesus into my life. And when I accepted Jesus in my life, he cleansed me. He immersed me. And he, and he brought me up, and I'm a new person in Jesus' name. That's exactly what it means. It's kind of like a, a wedding ceremony, right? If you've been to a wedding before, what the people are saying is they're staring at each other. We're saying to all of our friends, family, and neighbors, my, for, for, for the bride, even her name changes. I'm a new person. I'm committed to this person for my life. That's what water baptism is. I want you to understand here real quick. Some people get confused because they think that water baptism is the way to salvation. Please understand, water baptism is not the method, it's not the solution to salvation. Let's go back to the first baptism, the baptism of when you accepted Jesus into your life. That is the place of salvation. It is by faith. It is not by works. I just wanted to clarify that. The third baptism that is talked about in the New Testament is what they call Holy Spirit baptism. And it is an overflowing encounter 
with the Holy Spirit, overflowing. So I, I want you to imagine that cup of water. Remember that, that one cup of water? Somebody explained it like this. It's like taking that cup of water that you received at salvation, and it's going to a swimming pool, and it's dropping that cup of water into the swimming pool. It is a complete overflow in your life. How many of you have had that overflowing experience before? You know exactly what I'm talking about. You had that moment, that encounter with the Holy Spirit. Let me continue here in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. I want everybody to understand where, where do you get this idea at? Jesus tells us the purpose. There is a purpose. It's more than just some spiritual dynamic experience. There is a purpose because remember, everybody hold out your, your baton hand. The baton has been handed off to you and you need to be empowered. The word empowerment is to be given power from another source to use for a specific task or a mission. So just imagine, you know, growing up, I used to, uh, to work at a, at a restaurant here, and we, I used to scoop ice cream all day long for people and make ice cream sundaes. And, and so uh, there was people in my work that moved, got moved up to management. Now they were empowered to hire and to fire. They had power. They had been given, been given empowerment. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. It gives you empowerment. Look what Jesus says here in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says, but he's talking to his disciples, but you will receive power. Everybody say power. You will receive power when? When the Holy Spirit comes on you. Remember, these disciples are already saved. But there's, he's talking about there's going to be this experience where the Holy Spirit comes upon you and there's going to be an empowerment that comes with you. And then you will be my witnesses. Remember that baton. I'm going to carry on to be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Wausau, Rothschild, Schofield, Mosinee. You're going to be my witnesses in that in, in the entire Marathon County in the 715. You will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. So again, when the Holy Spirit comes on you in this baptism that he's talking about, you'll receive spiritual power. So remember that little pilot light I was talking about? We, we were having problems with our furnace this year, so I learned a lot by looking in that little window. You can look at it in your furnace. You got that little pilot light. So then when it calls for heat, all of a sudden gas, natural gas, is put upon that pilot light, and all of a sudden, woof, everybody, can we everybody just do that? Woof, woof. How many of you heard that sound in your furnace before? All of a sudden, this big flame rises up, and all of a sudden you begin to feel the effects of that flame in your house, right? You feel the effects of it. From that small little pilot light, all of a sudden it has been empowered for change. And what Jesus is saying to these disciples, like, listen, guys, listen, you're going to need more than that pilot light. You're going to need for what I've called you to do. Church, listen to me. You're, you need more than that pilot light inside of you. You need, you need that to, to come alive in you, the Holy Spirit to overflow from your lives. Because again, Jesus has handed us this mission of life change. Jesus says, what I'm asking you to do, you cannot do on your own power. Listen to me, always remember this. 
Great spiritual accomplishments are not done by people. Let me say that one more time. Great spiritual accomplishments are never done from people. They're done through people, through the power of the Holy Spirit in people's lives. My dad used to tell me this verse all the time, Zechariah 4, 6. It is not by might, nor by power, nor by your good looks, nor by your great preaching, nor by your great voice, your personality, not by any of those things. It's by my spirit. And we are on a spiritual mission. And in this spiritual mission, we need his spiritual power. And I wanna, I wanna be engaged in this mission. And I wanna be overflowing with this power. So the question is asked, well, so how did this baptism and the Holy Spirit happen? Let me continue here. It starts with a pursuit of the gift. And let me, let me I kind of, kind of want to change this, because so if you can change this, maybe in my notes, in your notes, will you just change this? Will you, I just, will you cross out pursuit of the gift? And what if we wrote pursuit of the giver? What if we just said, I'm going to pursue the giver of the gift? I'm going to pursue all that he has for me. And so remember, let's go back to our disciples. The disciples, Jesus said, okay, I'm going to be leaving you. This is what I want you to do. I want you to go, and I want you to pray. And I just want you to pursue the giver. Pursue the giver. And this gift that I've talked about, this gift is going to give you power. He's going to show up, and you'll know it when you see it. And so what did they do? Acts chapter 1, verse 4. All of these disciples, they all joined together constantly in prayer. They did what Jesus told them to do. I'm just going to pursue you, God. I'm going to pursue all that you want for my life, all that you have to give that's exactly what I want because every good father wants to give good gifts to their child. And God, I, I know you have a gift that you want for me. And so they prayed constantly. God was about to move on them and they had to prepare themselves through prayer. You know, sometimes if you've ever prayed for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, sometimes it does not happen instantaneously. But it's a pursuit of the giver. Lord, I'm just going to pursue you. I know that you have something more for me. As a matter of fact, for these disciples, it says that they were praying for 10 days, constantly praying, God, we're not sure what this is. We're not sure what this means exactly, but we're going to pursue you. You know, the word I, that I like to use is consecration. And you see this in the Old Testament. Whenever God was about to do something really awesome, sometimes God would say, listen, this is what I want you to do, people. Listen, listen. I want you to consecrate yourselves. I just want you to go into a time of focus. And, and maybe there's some things. Maybe you need to pray. You need to fast. You need to get rid of some things in your life. But there, I'm going to do something really awesome. But before that really awesome thing happens, I want you to consecrate yourself. And I want you to pursue me. And I'm going to do something awesome through that consecration. My challenge to you, church, 
wherever you are in your faith journey or on this subject, I want to challenge you, don't give up on this. Don't give up on this gift. Keep pursuing God's gift. Keep pursuing the giver. Let me continue here. Did you know that today, by the way, today is Pentecost Sunday? Today is Pentecost Sunday. It's the day that the gift arrives. The day that the gift arrives. Many people get confused on the word Pentecost. Sometimes they hear, well, I'm a, I go to a Pentecostal church. Anybody go to a Pentecostal church? I used to go, that was the, the it wasn't really a, a Christ follower church, it was a Pentecostal church. A lot of people get confused exactly what that means. You know what the word Pentecost means? Anybody want to guess what the word Pentecost means? It means 50. 5 0. 5 0. It is 50 days from Passover or 50 days from Easter. It is the word 50. So we know that this was 50 days. On the day of Pentecost, this was a a Jewish celebration, 50 days after Passover. These disciples, where are they at? They're in this upper room and they're praying and they're seeking the giver. And it says here in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 and 4, it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. They were all together Seeking in prayer the gift that God had told them. And then what had happened? The, the, the Bible says that a wind. You know, oftentimes the spirit is, is known by this word. The, the Greek word is pneuma, which is a, the breath of God. I believe that the breath of God fell onto these disciples. And all of them were filled, baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues. Now, this is where a lot of people get really confused here, and I just want you to follow me on, on what this means. The, 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 the phrase tongues, really what it means is the ability to speak in a language that you've never learned before. They were speaking in a language, they, they have, they, they've never heard this. Now, there, there's two types of tongues that are referred to in the Bible. First of all, there are the human tongues, and this happened, it talks about here in verse 12. This is in a kind of a diverse society in Jerusalem. And they, they had this Holy Spirit baptism experience. And they are just speaking in tongues. And it said that they went outside of the room where they were at. And people were walking by and like, hey, aren't you, like, are you speaking my language? How do you know? Nobody knows my language in this. So people, and, and I've heard of this happening before. People who are baptized in the Holy Spirit, they will speak in a language that they've, they've never learned before. It's a spiritual experience. And then there is what is referred to the angelic language. The Apostle Paul experienced this in 1 Corinthians 13. It's not in your notes. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or clanging cymbals. What he's talking to you here is an angelic language. In other words, it's not understood by man, but God understands everything. And, and so some of you are looking at me like, that is the craziest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. But listen here, the Apostle Paul, never has there been somebody so influential to shape, help shape the Christian faith in the Apostle Paul. Listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians 14, 18. He says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. 
speaks in tongues. Okay? Can I just share my story? At age 16 years of age, the power of, of going to youth camp. If, I encourage you, send your students to youth camp. There's more spiritual things that will happen in a teenager's and a child's life. It happens at youth camp. 16 years of age. The speaker gets up and he's telling us basically the same thing that I'm sharing with you here today. And I just, I, I was in that place in my faith journey. Even at 16, I recognized that my faith journey was up and then it was down. And then it was up and anybody can relate to that, the up and down thing. And I just got tired of that. And the speaker said, how many of you are tired of living the up and down life? Yeah, yeah, I'm tired of that. And he explained to us that you can receive the gift, the, the overflow of the Holy Spirit in your life. And how many of you want that? I'm like, yeah, I want that. I want all that God has for my life. So he called us up front, and, and I went up front, and we were just worshiping. And, and man, it, just, it was just such a powerful experience. All this worship is going around, and, and I'm just worshiping God, and it's just becoming passionate. You know what I felt like was happening? I felt like I was peeling through the layers, kind of like an onion. I got past the outer shell, which is our flesh, and I just got like, yeah, this seems kind of weird, but I'm going to ignore that. And I got past kind of uh, the, 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 um, the soul where your mind and your emotions were. I felt like I was tapping into my spirit. And all of a sudden, this, can I say, it, it was gobbledygook that started coming out of my mouth. And all of a sudden, I felt like I wasn't in control of what my mouth was saying. And in my mind, that was like the weirdest thing that I've ever heard or ever experienced. But in my spirit, it felt completely natural and very inviting. And I felt this just sense come over me. And it was like overflowing. And I just, you lose track of time. And I was just in this, in this place. I know, isn't that weird? Isn't it weird? I love it when God does weird things. Years later, I was preparing for a missions trip. And we, we were going into, I forget, I think we were going into Costa Rica or something like that with this missions organization. And, and they were, the, the speaker was talking about the same thing in preparation. I'm like, man, I just, I want that power. I want that power when I go on this missions trip. And so we had a, an altar time and praying. And I just, again, that same experience happened to me. And what I was given, when we talk about tongues, I was given this angelic prayer language. And so now when I Go, I would say, like Paul, every day in my prayer time, I engage in this prayer language. So you ever get in one of those moments where you just don't know how to pray? Or you have one of those things that are just so overwhelming. I've shared with you before, I'm the chaplain for the fire department, and every once in a while I'll be called out in the middle of the night on a scene or a situation I know nothing about. And so I, had, I don't know how to prepare myself, but I want to be spiritually prepared. And I will begin to pray in my prayer language, that angelic language, knowing I don't understand what is being said, but God understands everything. And you know what happens every time I do that? I feel empowered. I feel empowered. How many, again, you understand exactly what I'm talking about here? This gift of tongues. And so I, like Paul, I practice, I just engage in my prayer language each and every day. And I want you to see what happened here. Let's go back to our disciples. If we know, if you read the story of the disciples, the, these disciples were cowards. 
We know that when, when it came to take Jesus away, that the disciples scattered and they were afraid. And we know that when Peter was confronted by even a little girl, he denied Jesus three times. And we know that the disciples remained in a state of hiding. Even as Jesus returned, they were afraid. They were cowards. I can completely understand this. But this is what the power of the Holy Spirit does. It says in Acts 2.14, after they had experienced the power of the Holy Spirit, then Peter stood up with the 11 and raised his voice and addressed the crowd. You know where... You know what he's talking about here? Peter just came out of that room where something just incredible happened. He went out into the streets of Jerusalem. You know what just happened just a few weeks earlier in the streets of Jerusalem? Those were the same streets that Jesus marched through with that cross. The, the, the Romans weren't fans of Jesus' followers back then. All of a sudden, Peter, who was once in hiding, now he's emboldened with power, and he's out in the streets, and he's proclaiming Jesus, and repent. All of you people need to repent. That's boldness. That's courage. And I asked the question, what happened to this coward? What happened to him? And I believe that it was the power of the Holy Spirit that so filled his life that he could no longer keep it to himself. And I was, as a result, there was what we call life change. As a result, here at this moment, the church was born. The church was born. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. It says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? People, his audience, people responded like, oh my goodness, this Peter, and like something is, is going on inside of him. What shall we do? And people were saved. And the Bible says some 3,000 people were saved that day. And do you see the, the importance of this? That we see that the church is born. And the church is born with a mission. And the mission for the church back then and the, church, the mission for this church today is that we would be ministers and missionaries. Listen to what it says here, Acts chapter 2, verse 42 and 47. I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna let you read that on your own for sake of time. But on a consistent basis, this group of people, they begin to fellowship together. They, in other words, they built a relationship. I'm gonna tell you this right now. If you are here today, First thing I want to challenge you to do is accept Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. The second thing that I would challenge you to do is get baptized. The third thing I would challenge you to do, start building relationships. That's what the early church did, relationships. You want to see all the things that they did together here? They worshiped together. They prayed together. They ministered together. They studied the word together. They shared Christ together. And the church began to grow as the church. It wasn't, the, it wasn't, it wasn't that the church staff got together. The church staff prayed together. The church staff ministered together. It wasn't that way. It was the church. If you would just, can everybody right now do me a favor and point to the church. Point it to, wait, t time out here. I'm really confused because I don't see any of you pointing at a building. I'm really confused here. My point is the church is not a building. This is just a vessel. 
It's just an instrument that, that, that the church uses. You are the church. 100% of you, you get an A+. Plus. You are all correct. You are the church. You are the church. And we are being, we're being, people are we're being saved on a daily basis. And then if you look through the, the New Testament, you see a continuation. And, it, and there's many scripture verses that, that back this up. But you'll see that the same baptism of the Holy Spirit happened over and over and over. And I'm, I believe that it continues today. And I believe that that baptism of the Holy Spirit, God wants to have for you. And again, I'm gonna remind you of the purpose. It's empowerment. Everybody say empowerment. So that you are given power to do your mission. What is your mission? You, each and every person in this room, when you receive the baton, you were called to be a minister. We minister to each other. We encourage each other. We lift each other up. We serve each other. We serve our community. That's what we, the whole, the moving experience that we just had here, that's what we did as a church. Come into our doors. We want to serve you. We're going to minister to your needs. But we're also called to be missionaries. Missionaries go into their world. They go into your neighborhood. They go into your workplace. They go into your school. They go into, into grocery stores. And they, they, they're missionaries to the world around them, telling them about the love and the power of Jesus Christ. We need that power. So how? To close out this message, how does one receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It's understanding God has a gift for you. Just say that to yourself. God has a gift for me. God has a gift. If you've not had this experience yet, just say, God has a gift for me. You've got to accept that. And I may not understand everything, and it may sound weird, but you know what? I'm going to put all weirdness aside and just say, I want the gift that God has for me. The second thing you need to do is you need to put, I call it, put yourself in position. Put yourself in position for that to happen. Let me, let me explain here. I'm almost done. Let me explain through a story. Years ago, when I first started off in ministry, this small church in Bemidji, Minnesota, I met up with this guy named Steve Griswold. And, and, and he was a pastor of uh, some Methodist church. I, I can't, Met, Free Methodist, a Free Methodist church. Free Methodist Church would not be jiving with what I'm talking about here today, okay? So he, and so he's, he's just, but he's pastor of this small church, and, he, and, and so he and I went golfing one day, and, I, and we're getting to be friends, and I'm listening to him talk, and I'm like, Steve, can I ask you a question? Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit the way you talk? And he's like, shh, don't tell anybody in my church, man. I get fired for this. I said, how did that happen? He says, Sheldon, I, it was one Saturday. I just I was preparing a message in my, at the church building, and I just felt like, God, I'm so dry. This church is so dry. I feel like it's dead. I feel like there's no power. God, there's got to be more. And he says, so I went out into the sanctuary, and he says, I just lay down on the sanctuary floor, and I said, God, there's got to be more than this. Have you ever felt that way before? God, there's got to be more. God, whatever it is, I want it. And he says, I just felt like, again, went through all the layers, went right to my spirit. 
and I just began to speak in this unknown language and I felt this sensation come over me and it was just power and he goes, it's felt, just felt like this cleansing shower. It was just overflowing. It was God. He said, it changed me, man. It just changed me. It changed the way I thought, the way I act. And all of a sudden, I just began to preach in power. Just something happened inside of me. And, but what, here's, my, here's my point. Steve had to put himself into position. We're going to do that here in a few moments. More importantly, I'm, we're going to do that tonight. We're, gonna, we're not going to have any clock tonight. I'm going to encourage all of you, just begin to... Put yourself in position. It doesn't even have to happen in a building. It can happen in a car. I've heard lots of people, it happens in their car, on their way to work. They have to pull the car over because of what's happening to them. It could happen anywhere. But you have to put yourself into position and you have to surrender your control. And it just comes from the heart that just said, God, I want all that you have for me. Can we just stand right now as a church? practices, can we just right now begin to put ourselves into position? And I think it's a posture with our hands. If you want to kneel, if you want to come forward, you can do that. We're going to dim the lights right now. If I can ask you guys to do that, because this is a personal moment right now. I just want you to lift up your hands and say, God, I want all that you have for me. God, I want you to flood me. I want you to overflow me with the power of your Holy Spirit. God, I have felt dry for all too long. God, I want more of you. And it just, it's, a, it's a calling out just like I'm doing right here, guys. I want to encourage, can we just start right now as a church, begin to call out to God just like that. God, I want more of you and less of me. God, I'm asking you to just begin to flood my spirit flood my spirit with all that you have God flood me with the baptism of the Holy Spirit right now in Jesus name come on church come on right now all of you I want to hear some noise I want you to begin to call out not with your voice so much I want you to call out from your spirit right now in Jesus name overflow me God just as you did to the disciples Lord just as you have been doing through the church for all these years these centuries I want all that you have for me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me in Jesus' name. Flood me. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus.